Luke 15, 1 through 24. I wasn't supposed to do that, but I am tired of letting my pride get in the way of my Pentecostal worship. Don't let pride get in your way. I've done that one too many times. We're going to do that again. Luke 15, 1 through 24. This is what it says. The move of God is not over, church. Then he drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spake this parable and said unto them, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Either that woman having ten pieces of silver, if she had lose one piece, does not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently, diligently till she find it. And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. And he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that, me, that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, and he took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with rituous living. When he had spent all there, rose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him, his, sent him into his fields to feed swine, and he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto the father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called the son. Make me one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but he was yet a great far way off. His father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be married. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be married. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. There's a stirring among the mulberry trees this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You may be seated if you can. Somebody could save me a sermon right here because God's after some people here this morning. His divine love is reaching out over this congregation. And I want you to know the Bible says that coming to me, all you that are heavy laden, I will give you rest. God will give you rest from your labors. The Lord loves us. The Lord is here to help us here today. As you all know, we've been preaching a mini-series on the parables mentioned in the book of Luke chapter 15. 
And as we said in the previous sermons within our introductions, uh, what appears to be three different parables is actually one parable and Jesus is teaching us uh, the different people groups within the kingdom of God and the different kinds of people even within the church. They reveal three different levels of lostness or three different kinds of lostness. We have preached on the lost lamb, we have preached on the lost coin and this morning we're gonna be preaching on the lost son. Matter of fact, I want you to know this parable is actually known as what we all know as the prodigal son. Unlike the lamb and the coin, his reason for lostness, his place for lostness, and his position of lostness is totally different than the other two. He carries the highest position and the highest title of all. He is called a son. Aren't you glad to be a son of God here today? Amen. Give the Lord praise if you're a child of God. Hallelujah. But I want you to notice his lostness is not found in travel like that of the lamb or in the house like that of the coin, but his lostness is in him leaving. His lostness is not caused by innocence or weakness like that of the lamb, neither is it caused by apathy or the dullness of the spirit or the spiritual strongholds like that of the coin. If you'll remember, the coin was lost within its indifference. But this son's lostness is caused by choice. He made a decision. He's not misplaced like that of the lamb. The lamb was lost from the fold, not because he left the fold, but because he was lost due to the fold leaving him, which was a sign of immaturity and a lack of growth. Remember that he was a lamb. He was lost in innocence. He was lost in weakness. But there's a difference in the fold running off and leaving you and you running off and leaving the fold. This prodigal son decides to leave the house. He decides to divorce the family, if you please. Unlike the coin which was lost to his sense of value, yet the son actually thinks more highly of himself than what he ought to think. Unlike the coin and the lamb, he, he, he has no desire to stay at home whatsoever and live underneath the house with the father, in fellowship with the father. He is totally wrapped up in himself. He's consumed with lust. He's overtaken by evil desire. The lamb and the coin are unhappy with themselves within these parables but yet when you look at this scripture the prodigal son is unhappy with the father the home and the lifestyle that's presented there this prodigal son seems like that he does not like or approve anything that goes on in the house or under the spiritual hedge of the kingdom of God and let me say this when you get to the place that you're irritated with spiritual things and you begin to get critical and you begin to get judgmental and you begin to set back and you begin to come and different and not like the things of the spirit, you're seriously in a lot of trouble spiritually. Can I have an amen? The lamb wanted to be at home but was misplaced from it and the coin, though lost, at least it was lost in the home, but the son decides to leave the home. He decides to walk out on it. The son is self-willed, he is presumptuous, he's arrogant, he's selfish, he's self-centered, and he's high-minded. And while the lamb, the coin, tried to find a better way, this prodigal son thinks he knows the better way. The lamb has lost his way and his sense of direction. The coin has lost his sense of value, but the prodigal son has lost something more important than all of that. He has lost his heart. And when you lose your heart in return, you'll lose your way and you'll lose your sense of value as well. The Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30, uh, 
chapter 14, verse 12, it says, there is a way that seemeth unto man, a right unto man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. Again, in Proverbs 16, 25, the Bible says, there's a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof is the ways of death. Two different times we see this passage of scripture occurring. It was so important that the writer under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit had to repeat it. And let me tell you, there is a direct spiritual warning here in these scriptures to all of us that are sons and daughters in the kingdom that we can be lost if we're not careful. Though a son, yet lost. Though a daughter of the king, yet lost. Is it that sad? Isn't it, isn't, is it possible, some say, for a Christian to be lost? Is it possible for a Christian that's been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ to be lost? Is it possible for him to lose his way in the kingdom of God? According to this scripture, it is. The prodigal son thought that he knew the way. He thought that his worth was more than all of the others, but he found out that he was lost and broke without the father. When he got away from the father's presence, there was nothing there that was going to sustain him. And can I tell you, that's why Jesus warns us within scripture. He says, without me, you can do nothing. Our strength, our pillar, our rock, everything that we have, our very being exists in the fact that you and I are connected to a living branch. We are connected to the root out of the dry ground. We are, we are connected to the stem of Jesse. I want you to understand our rock and our fortress and our buckler and our shield is in Jesus Christ and him alone. Can I have an amen? Oh, give the Lord praise for his salvation over your life. When I sensed the spirit of the Lord moving in this house this morning, I thought, well, Lord, I'm gonna switch gears and I'm gonna, I'm gonna preach a little bit different and I had some sermons run through my mind that I think I could preach from the cuff and the Lord said, no, you stay on track because there's someone here today that I'm after and I want them to come to me and I want to humble themselves and I want to give them that good old wholesome transformation of salvation that'll get them stable in the kingdom of God and they can live and reign as my son and they can live and reign as my daughter and they can be all that I want them to be if they'll only obey my voice here this morning. Oh, give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. Some preach once in grace, always in grace doctrine. And you know, I hit that pretty heavy at times because I think that's one of the biggest flaws among the church and among the American church and it gives a license to sin. Though it is true, once a son, you're always a son, yet you can become a lost son and a dead son. Out of the confession of the father's own mouth, he said in the book of Luke 15 and 24, for this is my son who, this was my son was dead and alive again. He is lost, but now he is found. Found. Out of the father's own mouth, he speaks of his son as lost and he speaks of his son as dead. Now, what is a parable? A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Now, this scripture is when you begin to dissect, I don't have time to preach on all of it, but when you dissect the prodigal son, there are a lot of parallels. There are a lot of symbolics. It's an earthly story with heavenly meanings. But you know, there are some of the people that want to ignore this fact. The father said, he was my son, but he's 
he's dead. He was my son, but he's lost. Is it possible for a son to be lost and dead? We know that he wasn't dead physically. We know that he wasn't lost spiritually. He knew his way. He left by choice. He knew the way back to the Father, but he's lost spiritually. I want to tell you, it's possible to be a son of God. It's possible to be a child of God. It's possible to be a daughter of God and yet still be lost and still yet be dead in your sins. This does not speak of unmerited favor. This scripture does it that protects you from the lostness of and death while transgressing against God. The wages of sin still apply to the believer or the unbeliever. They apply to us both. The wages of sin is death. No matter if you're a believer or an unbeliever, if you sin, the wages of that sin is death. Whether a sinner or a saint, whether a sinner or a son, the wage is still yet the same. We reap the same consequence. Though it is true that when a man becomes born again into the kingdom of God, he will always be a son of God from that point on in his life. Yet he's either an obedient son or he's a disobedient son. In other words, let me say this. If you become born again and you get transformed and you're saved by grace, it's possible for you to backslide. That's the term that we use. It's time, it's possible for you to be able to draw back or turn your back upon your confession of faith. And when you do that, you backslide. And when you come back to the Lord, you don't get born again all over again. You don't get born again every time that you sin. No, no, no. You're only born again one time in your life. That's why a lot of people, when they go out and they make uh, an embarrassing time of, of, of rebellion and they go out and they do things and they come back to the Lord, they want that born again experience again. You don't have it ever again in your life. You're a son of God. You're a child of God. You've got to be healed of your backsliding. But thanks be unto God. Aren't you glad you got a faithful servant, Jesus Christ, that'll forgive you? Oh, hallelujah. But you can be an obedient child of God or you can be a disobedient child of God. After salvation, you're no longer considered a sinner ever again in your life. But if you go ahead and practice sin and you keep rebellion and you keep doing what you know you should not do, instead of a sinner, you become a transgressor which pays a heftier price. A transgressor is one that knows the law but chooses not to obey the law. A sinner, he's just a sinner. It's his nature to do so. But a child of God, God, when he sins, he does it out of strict rebellion. He does it because of his own lust and he's enticed and he walks away from the Father. A transgressor is someone who, who uh, rebels against the very laws of God. He is someone that has been on doing his own will instead of the Father's will. What did John say about that? He said, love not the world, neither the things that's in the world. And if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not any. For all that is in the world, the lust of flesh, the lust, the eyes, the pride of life. They're not of the Father, but they're of the world. And the world's gonna pass away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. I wanna tell you who is it that abides forever? It's the man of God that does the will of God. Can I have an amen? The prodigal son, he doesn't care what is right. He's gonna do what he wants to do. Have you ever been there? He's bent on doing what he's want. That word means that word bent to do what you want to do is called iniquity. He doesn't care what the scripture says. He's going to fulfill his own desires. He's going to fulfill his own wants. He's going to fulfill his own lust. He doesn't care that it's going to affect other
other people. He's only looking out for number one. He's only looking out for that which satisfies himself. He doesn't care that his children and his family are going to suffer the consequences. He just wants to do what he wants to do. Have you ever been that person that just said, I'm going to do what I want to do and I don't care what anybody says? Bent on doing what we want to do. He doesn't care that Christ has already paid the price for his sin and by disobeying, he puts Jesus to an open shame and tramples under his feet according to the writer of Hebrews, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants what he wants and he's going to have it. The rules of the home don't seem to fit his mood. It don't seem to fit his like. It don't seem to fit his desires. It don't seem to fit his behavior. He's emotionally unattached to spiritual truth. He could care less about what truth says. He doesn't care what the Bible or any other spiritual authority says. He goes on his feelings instead of faith. He goes on his feelings instead of the word of God. He doesn't like rules. He doesn't like the disciplines of scriptures or the rules of the home. He doesn't like the demands or the commandments of God because they seem to tie him up and bind him and put him under under bondage. He wants to run his own life. He He thinks he has a better way. He don't understand that the word of God and the rules of God and the commands of God are not there to bind you. They're there to free you. They're not there to destroy you. They're there to protect you. They protect you even from yourself. Thank God for a loving father who set up a system that he understood that we ourselves are like sheep that are all gone astray. There's none of us that do good. No, not one. There's a way that seemeth right unto man. The heart is deceitful above all things, but it's desperately wicked. Our feelings, our emotions lead us astray. But thanks be unto God. God set some commandments. God set some rules not to bind us or not to put us in bondage, but to free us, to protect us from ourselves. Can you say amen? Oh, hallelujah to the Lamb of God. He wants to run his own life. This prodigal son thinks, I know what's best for me. He doesn't want counsel. He doesn't want truth. He don't want to adhere to truth. But he thinks he has a better understanding of what's better for him. I'll never forget one time I had a friend that was going to do something wrong. And I found out about it. And I met him on a parking lot and got in his car and waited on him. And when he come out, we sat there and talked. And every scripture, I know all the scriptures you're telling me. But I know them all. You, you, you Everything you're telling me, I know. But I don't don't care. I don't care. And I thought, how can he not care? He was a solid man, a good man. And I thought to myself, how do we find ourselves in such a place? I'm here to tell you heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will never pass away. And you're not to live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. If God said it, that settles it. That's the way it is. And if the believer will hold to the truth of the word of God, his truth will endures forever. And those that hold to truth will endure forever as well. Can you have an amen? He despised governing. This prodigal son does. He doesn't like accountability. He doesn't like responsibility. He wants so-called freedom. I want to get out from under the house. How many of you, when you were teenagers, thought, I can't wait to get out from underneath this house? I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to go when I want to go. I'm going to come in when I want to come in only to find out that after you got out there, it wasn't a bed of roses like you thought, was it? Amen? And some of you are 30 years old wanting to move back in the house. Amen? 
But he wants to be out from out of the shadow of expectation. I don't want any expectations put upon me. I don't want anybody telling me what to do. I don't want anybody telling me when to go, what time to come in. I don't want any restrictions. All of that's bondage. That's legalistic. That's law. That's law. That's law. And that's all I hear within the, the church community today. I want to tell you, you better praise God for the law of God that hangs over your head. Put them around your neck and bind them to your heart for they there is life in the word. Amen. He doesn't want to be stifled or expected to do anything that he doesn't want to do. He wants to do his own thing. He don't want to do anything he don't want to do. He wants to run his own life. It's a sad thing, but it's just like the church that come out of Nashville. I don't know if you've seen that on the internet where they have come out rejecting the Bible as the word of God. Have you seen that? They call themselves a progressive church. I'll just read some of the things. I wasn't able to put it all down. They say while they admit that they are different from most churches, yet they claim to be an inclusive spiritual community. Listen to this. Which seeks to live out a more just and generous Christianity. They say what unites us is a growing awareness that life is a gift and love is the point. Sounds good, don't it? We want to learn how to love better and share that with the world. We embrace the LBGTQ community. We accept them in membership and leadership. At Grace Point, we think faith is less about doctrine and dogmas demanding total agreement and more about life being lived, enjoyed, and shared with others. Our conviction for inclusiveness is not based on specific loopholes or interpretation of ancient text or scripture, in other words, but rather through a fresh, humble, and intellectual viewpoint and our capacity to continually grow in what our understanding is of the world, of ourselves, and of God. In other words, we're not gonna pay attention to any ancient text. We don't believe that the word of God is, uh, is, uh, is for, for today. We don't even believe it to be the inherent word of God, inspired of God, and written by holy men of old as the Holy Spirit moved upon them. Come on, somebody help me preach. But what we're gonna do is just love everybody. Isn't that a good message? Don't preach against anything. If you do, it's a hate crime. If you do, you're a hateful person. I want to tell you, you better be glad that there are voices in pulpits all across America declaring the word of God because there's life in the word. Can I tell you, Jesus said in John 6, he said, the words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. And when you go back and analyze the words that Jesus said, sometimes he was in your business, sometimes he was in your mess ups, and sometimes he got blunt, and sometimes he got very embarrassing of the things that he said to individuals. I'm here to tell you today, folks, there's only one way, and that way is through the eternal Son of God written on the pages in ink and on the heart of the commandments by the Holy Spirit. Can I have an amen? Oh, stand to your feet and give God praise in this house. Oh, somebody praise him for the truth of the word to preach. God's about to break out in this place. This prodigal son, he does not care that his lifestyle, his action, crucifies the son of God afresh and anew. He doesn't care that every time he sins as a son, Jesus feels the nails, he feels the pain, he feels the rejection, he feels the penalty of sin. Have you, can you ever think about that? How that Jesus paid the price for every bit of that. And when you, oh, 
openly rebel against God and sin, here he is, paid that price for you, and think of the rejection that he feels. This prodigal son, he become a transgressor. He trampled under his feet the blood of Christ. Some say that he wasn't saved in the first place. There are that, that which tells you that if you go out here and backslide, there's no such thing as biblical backsliding. If you backslide, you were never saved in the first place. I beg, your, I beg to differ with you because I want you to know this, was, this man was called a son. Come on, somebody help me preach. Sonship only comes through salvation. The Bible tells us in Romans 8, 14 through 17, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption to whereby you cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God and of children, then heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, we shall also be glorified together with him. Can I have an amen? There's some suffering that we have to do sometimes. All of us have seen people fall under conviction and repent and become totally transformed by the Spirit and saved by grace through faith in Jesus. Isn't that one of the most wonderful things to see? We have seen them follow after God, be led of God, anointed of the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Some even become preachers and preach the house down. And yet we've seen some of them same people fall away and turn to their old lifestyle of sin. We've all seen that. Matter of fact, that this is why that Peter, in describing such a person in 2 Peter 2.22 said, but it, ha- it has happened unto them according to the true proverb. The dog has turned into his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed has turned back to the old miry wallering in the mire again. We have seen firsthand people's salvation, but after putting their hand to the plow, they somehow got discontented and turned back. And this is why that Luke 9 and 62, Jesus said, and to them no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. This is why that the scripture gives us warning in Luke 17 verse 32, just three simple words. Remember Lot's wife. In other words, we know who Lot was, Lot's wife. She looked back at Sodom and Gomorrah and being delivered and she turned into a pillar of salt and, got, and it was a sign of judgment. And Jesus said in Luke 17 32, this is your example, believers, even in the New Testament. If you want to have somebody as an example, remember Lot's wife. Come on now. This is why that Hebrews 10 and 38 says, now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. And again, the writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 3 and 12, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief departing from the living God. He made it clear that it's possible for a a believer to depart from the living God because he's talking to the brethren. You and I can depart from the, everybody says, oh, it's impossible to get out from under the care of the Father. The Father will never leave you, but you can leave the Father. Can I have an amen? This is why Paul is speaking to the church in Romans 11, 21. For if God spare not the natural branches, talking about Israel, take heed lest he spare you not. He's talking about the Gentile church, those of us that saved by grace through faith in Jesus, the New Testament church. If God rejected Israel, then God is saying to us, he can and he will reject us as well if we don't follow on and follow him in obedience. Even though it's possible for us to depart from the living of God, living God through an evil heart of unbelief, yet the scripture speaks of God departing or rejecting the church as he did Israel because of their sin. Sin separates the son as well as the sinner from God because that's what sin does. It separates. Can I have an amen? 
It was Paul in speaking about Demas. You know what he said? One of the saddest words in scripture. Paul said, Demas has forsaken me for this present world. He gave up the ministry. He walked away from it. Has there been times in my life that I wanted to walk away and quit? Sure. Have I been tempted at times to be discouraged? Yes. Have I been at times uh, tested to see if I'm gonna hold true? Yes, and so will you. But don't be a statistic like Demas that he forsook Paul and the ministry. I have some of the saddest words was Reinhard Bonnke when he made this statement, I've used it before, when he has that big movement in Africa where millions and millions of people were saved. And when he was praying, God spoke to him and said, don't get heady or high-minded, uh, uh, Reinhardt, because you were my third pick. There were two people that chose not to follow the Lord in obedience and look what they lost. Think about what they lost. Oh, God, help us. The prodigal son went out, spent all that he had in lustful living. This is a, there, there is, let me say it this way, there is pleasure in sin for a season, but let me tell you, it's only for a season, and then you're gonna reap a harvest. Because the Bible says in Galatians 5, be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. If he sows to the flesh, he shall reap of the flesh corruption, but if he sows to the spirit, he shall reap of the spirit everlasting life. The prodigal son left seeking his own life. He wanted to be free from the rules of that father. He wanted to be self-governed. He did not want to follow the demands of the scripture or the commands of the house. Titus 2 and 12 warns us, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust that we shall live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. The Bible also tells us that the lamb cried for the shepherd. The coin longed for the spirit to sweep over it. But the prodigal son joined himself to a citizen of a far-off country. That is key wording to me. Notice that it said that he joined himself as a citizen. He took residence up there. It's one thing to sin and it's another thing to take residence in your sin. It's one thing to sin and it's another thing to become a practicer of sin. We've all sinned and we've all come short of the glory of God. If any man says he has no sin, he's a liar and the truth don't even dwell in him according to what John says. You and I have sinned. Even since we've been a believer, even since we've been born again, we have sinned, we have come short of the glory of God. We have all sinned out of weakness, out of, arrogant, or out of ignorance, or out of fear. We've all been immature and sinned and innocent sometimes or out of a moment of weakness or maybe out of a moment of pressure. But the difference is we've not went out and joined ourselves and made residence there and practiced that sin. Can I have an amen? The prodigal son conformed back to the world. And this is why that Paul said in Romans 12 and 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what's that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. Can I have an amen? Notice something about this parable. The shepherd found the lamb by leaving the 99 and going and seeking and searching for it. He loved it so much. The Holy Spirit found the coin by searching and sweeping for it in the house. The little lady, the church, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, took a lidded lamp and searched for that coin. But the father, notice in this parable, never leaves the house to seek and to search for his son. I always thought that was strange. Why did he leave the flock and go after that one lost lamb? Why did he go into such a search diligently for that coin 
But when it comes to the son, he just leaves him alone and don't go seek for him. He didn't want to bring, you know why? Because he didn't want to bring that spirit of rebellion back into the house. The son would have to obey the rules of the house or he was not welcome in the house. Are you with me? The son left by choice and guess what? He's gonna to have to come back by choice. There are some people you cannot go after. They know, they mature, they have left and drawn away of their own lust and enticed. As a matter of fact, when I was a young preacher, I chased everybody. When they went there, I was on their doorstep. I was their biggest pest. I was the truant officer of the church. Amen? If you miss a Sunday, Pastor Miller's gonna be on your doorstep ringing your, I'd see the curtains sometimes and pull back and they'd, go, and they'd act like they weren't there and I thought, hey, dummy, you just moved the curtains. I know you're in there. Amen? But they looked at me as a truant officer because they knew if they missed church, I was gonna be there. And I chased and I chased and one day the Lord brought this to my attention and he said, quit going after the prodigal. Go after the little lost lamb that's lost and innocent. Go after that one that's lost in indifference and he's got strongholds that's uh, deceiving him and he's, he's, he's full of apathy, that coin, that's lost his sense of value. But when it comes to that prodigal son, don't you go after him or you'll bring that spirit of rebellion right back in the house and they'll spread that spirit of rebellion to other people. Come on, somebody help me preach. The lamb was lost in its innocent. The shepherd gave the incentive to repent by going after him and helping him. The coin was helped by the moving of the Holy Spirit's presence and the light of God's word and the sweeping of the house. But the prodigal had to come to himself. He had to return and make things right. This is what the Bible says, uh, that the only way that this man could really be saved is for him to be broken and for him to lose everything. Isn't that sad? that some people can only be saved by them being broken. Going out and doing their thing, let them reap their consequences, and then when they get all in shambles, they can come back and we can help them put their life back together. They cannot see the need to return as long as they're driven by their worldly lust and carnal appetites and they're selfish and they're self-centered and they're bent on doing what they want to do. They have to be broken. They have to be crutched. That's why the Bible says, a broken and a contrite spirit, O God, thou wilt not despise. Aren't you glad for brokenness? This is why Paul, in talking about the adulterer and the fornicator in the book of 1 Corinthians 5, 5, you talk about some hard teaching in the New Testament. This is some hard teaching about a man that went after his father's own wife and committed adultery, and he's dealing with it in this passage. And it's talking about adultery. Those in the church that are bent on living in adultery, this is what he says. To deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. And he even goes on and says, don't treat them when you see them out as a brother. Don't sit down and eat a meal with them. Don't have anything to do with them. Now that's hard. And most 99.9% of us disobey that scripture. The father did not offer the ring, the shoes, or the robe until the confession was made by the prodigal son. The prodigal son did not come back until he had been totally broken. In my father's house, even the servants have more than what I have. He spent all that he had, thought he had it all together, had a big sum of money, had his life together. And isn't it sad that you gotta wait till you become completely broke and, and, and completely destroyed before you'll make your return back to God when you can make your return back to God and still have everything that you got? Can I have an Amen. Verse 21 says, And the son said unto the father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and I'm no more worthy to be called your son. 
Before the father would allow him back in the home, there had to be confession. And listen at verse 22 and 23, I love this. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe, put it on him, put a ring upon his hand, shoes on his feet, and bring here a fatted calf and kill it. And let us be merry. Let us be merry. You talk about a party, you son. He was gearing up for a party because this was my son that was dead, but he's alive again. He was lost, but now he's found. Hey, man, upon his confession, there was total reconciliation and, and recon, total restoration and reconciliation. First John 1 and 9 says, if we'll confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The father loved him so much that he, did not, that he had to wait on him for his return. That's hard. It's easier to go after them than it is to sit behind the walls and not see them or go after them or fellowship with them. He had tough love. He did not support his son in his sin. He did not enable him. He did not go after him. He didn't send him money. He didn't even leave the house. But look what verse 20 says in closing. And when the prodigal son arose and he came to himself and he went to his father when he yet was yet a great far off, his father saw him, had compassion on him, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. You don't get so far away that the God, father ain't yearning for you. You may be a son, and maybe there ain't been a, a lot of Christians knocking on your door. And you can be bitter and say, no one even comes seeking for me. There may be a reason for that. Because if you're a lost son, we're literally commanded not to go after you. If you're a coin, a lamb lost in innocence, we're coming after you. If you're a coin lost in indifference, we're coming after you. But if you're a son and you know and you become a transgressor and you're rebellious, the Bible tells us to not enable you. You know the way. There's nothing we can say to you that's going to make a difference. you got to come to yourself. But when you do, every day that father's sitting there at the window He's just looking down that road that he left by and seeing if he's coming back home. He don't know where he's at. He don't know how well he's doing. Maybe he's gotten word, your son's in bad shape. He don't go try to bail him out and put him through anything. He, he just hands off. What do you think that father's doing? He's walking the floors. He's weeping. He's crying. He's interceding. He's longing. He's hurt. He loves him so. He loves him just as much as he loves the lamb. He loves him just as much as the coin. He just wants his son to come back home. And when he sees that son a long ways off, he takes off running, Mike. And he meets him down that old dusty road. You know, I love that scripture. Draw nigh unto me. James chapter four, verse four. Hey, draw nigh unto me and I will draw unto thee. Cleanse yourselves, you double-minded. The Bible tells us without a shadow of a doubt that God's just waiting for you to make the first move. And when you make the first move home, he's going to leave the house and meet you halfway. I honestly believe this. I believe this with all my heart. When a man's convicted of his sin, whether he's a saint or a sinner, it don't matter. And he's sitting there and he's feeling the uneasiness of the scripture, bringing conviction upon his life and the Holy Ghost is convicting him. The minute he stands up to go to that altar, he's saved. Because he made a move. And in his heart, he's already accepted Jesus. Come on. He's got to make confession of it. But I'm here to tell you today that God loves you wherever you're at. 
and there's a handful of people in this service that you're just you're just teetering. You're you just you're almost at the point of leaving, walking out, abandonment, divorcing the family, divorcing the church. You're not satisfied. You're not happy. You think that sins, the pleasure of sins, what you really want, but these commandments are over you and they're, they're like a, a rope around your neck and they're choking you and you can't live a full life and as a Christian. It's not fun. It's not exciting. It's because you never really completed died out yet. I live a, one of the most happiest lives that there is. Come on, somebody help me preach. Would you stand with me this morning, please?